Driver of truck who crashed into the Humboldt Broncos hockey team loses his deportation appeal. Gay man fighting his deportation back to Uganda on human rights grounds. A fourth person has been charged with terrorism in Calgary, three of whom are teenagers. And the United States has been supplying Israel with white phosphorus weapons that have been used on civilians, constituting a war crime. Good morning. It's Friday, December 15th. Friday, and we are halfway through December. Oh my God. Here are your headlines. It's a nearly all Alberta Daily News episode this week. We start this morning with an update on the story of Jaskirat Singh Sidhu. He was the bus driver whose failure to stop at a stop sign resulted in crashing into the tour bus of the Humboldt Broncos hockey team. The crash killed 16 people and left many others with lifelong injuries. Sidhu has appealed the decision to be deported back to India. He's been sentenced to eight years in prison and has served most of them, but was granted parole earlier this year. Canada Border Services Agency, a group that you know, is racist to the core of why it exists, sought a deportation order for Sidhu so that he'd be sent back to India, basically saying his jail time and parole isn't enough to account for his crime. Sidhu pleaded guilty, something that saved the families a long and drawn out trial. He was a rookie truck driver who was not adequately trained to haul, and he had just gotten married. He also showed an, quote, extraordinary degree of genuine heart-wrenching remorse, unquote, according to the judge who ultimately didn't accept the appeal on deportation. His lawyer sought a review of the call for deportation, and Justice Paul Crampton wrote this, as quoted in an article by Bill Graveland at the Canadian Press, quote, The facts underlying Mr. Sidhu's applications to this court were devastating for everyone involved. Many lives were lost, others were torn apart, and many hopes and dreams were shattered. Unfortunately, nothing this court decides can change much of those truly tragic consequences, unquote. While that's true, they could stop another tragic set of consequences by punishing Sidhu even further and kicking him out of Canada. But uh, Crompton's not doing that. He's continuing the tragic circumstances and consequences. Graveland talked to one father who lost his son in the crash. He said that while he doesn't want Sidhu in jail forever, he said, quote, We have no ill feelings towards a man. We just don't want to see him ever again. We want him gone. And that means, in this case, deported, unquote. Honestly, it's so unfair to ask a family to comment on this because, of course, this is a normal reaction, but also it's not a reasonable reaction. What, just because the father is Canadian and Sidhu can be deported somewhere else, that it's the obvious decision that must be made? If the logic can't be applied to a white truck driver from the Battlefords in the same situation, it shouldn't be applied to Sidhu. Another parent said that deporting Sidhu is, quote, the right decision and sends the right message, unquote, something that Graveland doesn't pick up on. What message does that actually send? That Canada will eat you up, spit you out, it'll set you up to colossally fail, and it will not help you in that failure. And doesn't matter how remorseful you are and how much time you spend in jail, you're still going to be deported. It's really not a great message to anybody who comes to Canada. 
Now, not all the families want Sidhu deported, and really, our criminal sentencing and deportation system doesn't work like an online poll. There's a reason why there are victim impact statements, but not victim sentencing decisions. This is one of these issues that makes me honestly so enraged. It's completely unfair to treat Sidhu like this and to deport him after the time he spent in jail, knowing that he's completely remorseful. It doesn't do anything. It's just crass revenge. And frankly, it's racist because, as I said, if you couldn't do this to a white truck driver, but you can do it to someone who is born somewhere else and came to Canada because he wanted to come to Canada for a different life, it's racist. Now, notably, former conservative leader Aaron O'Toole posted on Twitter that he opposed the deportation order. And he said this, quote, the scar of the humble Broncos tragedy will not heal from the deportation of Mr. Sidhu, considering the profound remorse and responsibility he has shown following this terrible accident, unquote. I'm a bit surprised to hear that from Aaron O'Toole, but a little bit of humanity in this story really does go a long way. Next to another deportation story. This one comes from Emily Mertz and Kabi Mutlitaran with Global News. A nurse in Edmonton is facing a deportation order after applications and appeals for refugee status have been denied. He came to Canada as an international student and then claimed refugee status. The man, who Mertz and Mutlitaran call Sue to protect his identity, has been in Edmonton since 2018. He's gay and he's from Uganda, where same-sex sexual acts have been outlawed. If you're caught committing quote-unquote aggravated homosexuality, you can face the death penalty. Sue and his lawyer say that the plea has been denied because, quote, they couldn't verify his sexual orientation, unquote. To prove that he is gay, they shared Sue's experiences in Uganda, showed proof of his engagement in queer life in Edmonton, and offered a sworn affidavit from a well-known queer activist. Oh, man, Canada is an extremely unserious country. Sue told Global News on Thursday, quote, I have nowhere to go. I'm stranded, and even the place I thought that would comfort me is forcing me out, unquote. His lawyer, Michael Batista, said this about the fact that Canada is deporting queer people to one of the harshest locations for queer people to live in the world. Quote, I'm not sure why Canada hasn't put a moratorium in place for the deportations of LGBTQ Ugandans, but given the deterioration of human rights situation in that country... But given the deterioration of the human rights situation in that country, it would be, I think, a very good policy move on the part of the government of Canada, unquote. Liberal MP Randy Boissonneau said that they're, quote, aware of the situation and working with immigration officials on the matter, unquote. Next, Colette Durowitz from the Canadian Press is reporting that a fourth Calgarian has been arrested in an RCMP terrorism probe that is looking into, quote, terrorism-related posts on TikTok and other social media sites, unquote. Now, here's the thing. This person is only 16 years old, and already a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old have been arrested, too. All of their identities have been protected because of their ages. In a trial for the boy who is 17, evidence was presented that showed that he had attended a queer protest where he shouted hateful comments, and he posted a video that depicted him blowing up a synagogue. In a risk assessment report, it was found that the teen posed a moderate risk to Canadians in general and a high risk of joining an extremist group. Remember earlier this week when I reported that two individuals were arrested with terrorism for engaging in white supremacist organizing and how they were part of a really organized group and the RCMP had evidence of people doing combat training in a park? 
Well, those folks were white. And in this situation, here we have uh, teenagers who've been doing things that are abhorrent and disgusting and have been arrested for terrorism. But you probably could have guessed, or maybe you should have guessed, or maybe you didn't, that we're not talking about white supremacists here. In the risk assessment, it said, quote, it added that he had a pathological fixation with Islamic extremist ideology, violence, and weapons, unquote. Ah, there it is. So even in relatively similar kinds of terrorism in Canada, we see that the bar seems a bit higher if you're white to actually be charged with doing terrorist acts, promoting the Azov Battalion and violent white supremacy while literally training in a park with 20 other people doing the same thing and only two get arrested. And here we have a group of four people, three of whom are teenagers, who are getting arrested for terrorism because of their social media activity and showing up at protests and yelling hateful things. The fourth person who's arrested is 20-year-old Zachariah Hussein, who posted videos on TikTok encouraging people to join ISIS and wrote out instructions about how to make a bomb during Pride Month and posted it on Snapchat. I'll be curious to see more details about this, but, you know, as I say, in comparison to that other situation, it seems, I don't know, it seems like maybe we go easier on the white supremacists. Next, the Washington Post is confirming that Israel has used white phosphorus in their attacks on southern Lebanon and that the white phosphorus was supplied by the United States. I mean, obviously, where else would it come from? But hey, we have a confirmation. The write-up in Democracy Now! explains that at least four people were hospitalized as a result of the attacks. The use of white phosphorus on civilians is a war crime. It causes long-term pain and damage to people. And also from Democracy Now!, Israel has killed some 200 Palestinians in 24 hours as of yesterday. At least 20 were killed in Rafah, where people have been forced to flee from other parts of Gaza. The cramped conditions, combined with heavy rains, no food, no clean water, and no medicine, has resulted in widespread gastrointestinal illness and flu. The World Food Program says that 97% of households in North Gaza, that is, of the folks who still live there, have no food. In the South, that number is 87%. Israel, not content to simply destroy Gaza and southern Lebanon, has also been attacking the West Bank. They raided Jenin, killing at least 11 Palestinians, and arrested the leaders of the Freedom Theater, a group that fights for justice and self-determination. Ahmed Tobasi and Mustafa Sheta were kidnapped by Israeli troops. Those are your headlines for Friday, December 15th. I'm Nora. You are listening to this podcast at sandynor.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. Hope you have a good Friday. I'm not sure if you saw me post uh, online yesterday the news, but Sandy Nora, we're the number three podcast in Canada after Peter Mansbridge's podcast, which I got questions, and Paul Wells. Thanks for that, folks. Uh, you know, if that's with the American podcasts taken out, we're number 10 if you include the American podcasts. Feels pretty good to know that you're all listening. Thank you for sharing it with your friends and uh, don't stop. Don't stop spreading the good word. I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you on the other side.